0: From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival.
1: Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. We've got a great episode for you today with a very special guest, but... Before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for weekly episodes where we not only interview LADFF filmmakers like we're doing today, we also interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases. And of course, we do our patented Gimme Three episodes as well. So like, subscribe, and comment. We've got plenty for you coming up and plenty in our archives as well. As I mentioned though, we are joined by a very special guest today. In 2018, she won the Best Director Award at LADFF for her short film, Professional Cuddler. And now she's back with another incredible short film called Duet, which you can see at LADFF from August 5th through August 9th. Mika Orr is joining us today. Mika, thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So tell the audience, Mika, about your new film, Duet, which I deeply, deeply adore.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you liked it. I remember that I told you back then about the struggles of shooting it independently. And I'm so happy that it, it came out as it is. It's actually, it's a very, it's like professional caliber. It's semi autobiographic film, but this one is even more personal to me because it's based on a real story from my childhood where a girl in my classroom when I was a uh, first and second grade that I didn't, I really didn't get along with, moved in um, to live with me in the same house because her mother and my father became a couple mm-hmm. as the inspiration for the film and in a nutshell,
1: the storyline. And as you touched on briefly, this was kind of a long journey for you to get it shot and through post and everything. We had lunch together, I think a couple of years ago or something. I don't know when it, it was, it was a while ago and you had already shot it and you were still trying to shoot some more scenes. Tell us a little bit about just like the long road and journey to like getting this project off the ground and completed, which won't be a surprise to filmmakers because we like the filmmakers listening to this will be like, OK, we understand the pain. But for the listeners who aren't filmmakers, sometimes it's like it's hard to put into words just how much it takes to get a film done.
2: Yeah, well, well this one was especially incredible in terms of the long road and the challenges we, we've been through. I mean, every film I can go through our own journey, but this one was uh, strange because I went on reproduction and a week after we finished principal shoot in Tel Aviv, Israel, I moved to live in New York because I got accepted to this master's degree in film directing and I got to get accepted with a scholarship without having a BA or any previous education program. I never went to university. And anyway, I I was very excited. I left the country and I had all the footage with me. But from the moment that I actually shot it to the moment that I sat down and actually edited it was like two years in which I completed my master's degree. I shot another film. I created another series, which I wrote. And then when I sat down finally to edit, I was just another person. Back then I was madly in love with a woman, which was the first time for me. And I decided that because this film is so personal and biographical to sort of Create a different ending for the children that is playing in the film and, you know, elaborate their their journey together. While I was editing it and I wanted to extend this one day story in their life to be something more meaningful for the characters, I've decided to do this suicidal journey. In instead of creating a narration for the main characters to then have them remember their childhood in retrospect, I've decided to write a song that they will sing live because now that they're adults, they're they're not like rock stars. And instead of reading a narration to the story, they're literally going to sing it as part of a song that we created, 14 minutes original song that we created for the film that escorts the story. You know, we actually produced this whole score. We casted two adult actresses that also have a band in real life, and we produced a real show with 150 people in the crowd paying for tickets. So we can actually shoot the rest of the film, which is a crazy, crazy idea to do. Uh, I don't know why nobody stopped me, but at the same time, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to work on independent films and do such, you know, bizarre experiments of literally writing a song instead of a narration and producing it as part of the story, you know, and it was an amazing, amazing journey. And I think that's probably why it took so long. Um, So (laughs) I wrote another series in the meantime. I opened a production company in New York. I got funded for my first feature-length film. I finished my master's, I shot another film, and then I finished the editing. It was, it was just so many things going on at the same time.
1: But that's the life. You're always kind of balancing multiple projects. You've got like all these plates spinning and sometimes you don't know which plates are going to stay up. Sometimes plates fall and you got to replace it with another plate. It's just, you know, it's just how it goes. But it's really fascinating that the music element of your film came later because it's such an important part of the film. And like, in a way, it kind of, as you said, it acts as the narration, but it kind of acts as like the heart of the film as well. So it's really fascinating that that came after you originally finished the principal photography.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because that was the challenge, how to create a story between two eight-year-old girls and then shoot it as if they were rock stars without any, and potentially lovers, without any clues in the first initial script. It was a lot of work and, you know, it made me realize how much, just to what degree, filmmaking is actually the the editing and, and how much everything is really created in the editing room it was pretty insane
1: and so sometimes you know when we have to put a pause on our productions or our, or our films it hurts in the moment or you're like i just want to finish this thing but sometimes taking that break and having like a moment away from it to come to it back with fresh eyes and like A fresh perspective can really be crucial to like finishing it in a way that's beneficial. And it sounds like that's what happened here with Duet.
2: Yeah, you know, I agree with you. (laughs) At the same time, I think that the biggest lesson I've learned from this project as an artist, as a filmmaker, is the importance of immediacy. Yeah. You create something and then you need to create it now. And it's easy to start. It's definitely easy to keep creating, like change the piece, change the script, working on it, refining it. It's not that easy to stop. For me, and I have this conversation sometimes with my, you know, my friends, my my artist friends. And I have a friend who's working on a music album. He's working with, you know, refining it for two years. It's hard to to stop, you know, because you're not always at the same point when you start and when you, end, especially with kind of filmmaking. I feel like just writing a script and shooting it and editing it in like five days now. I need to. <laughs> I, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I need to heal from that experience. But it was it was a lesson in persistence. Yeah. Um, you need to be obs- obsessed a bit. You need to be a, an obsessive uh, person to be a film
1: director. 100%. I also want to talk about, speaking of the editing, the way in which you tell this story, I really love. You tell it in, in three different chapters. So not only do I love the chapters thing, but I love that the chapters that you chose to tell it, I think, are really wonderful. And they add to this, like, great crescendo where the where the movie kind of climaxes was that idea in the script or was that something also that came in later in the editing room
2: it came in the editing room later the idea of having um, a rushomon i guess is it, is it a word in english as well yeah. Rashuman, yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
2: yeah so uh, to have uh, the same day told from my perspective the main character but also from the other girl's perspective that was an editing choice yeah
1: it works great yeah i just i i love the way that's put together I want to talk also about you have these two young actors that are really incredible and they give incredible, mostly nonverbal performances, which sometimes is even more difficult to get out of child actors. Talk to us about working with these young actors and your collaboration with them, because they really knock it out of the park.
2: I'm so beyond lucky to have found these two amazing young actresses. They're both extremely talented. They work very differently. You know, they have a different method, which was very interesting for us because I had to push different buttons to each one of them and work separately a lot to kind of have them coming the scene, surprised from the other person's actions to have like a, a more authentic experience. So w- working with them was just a film school for me, I guess. Yeah. They were two, two tiny, sweet girls, but they taught me so much about how the human reactions work and how the sensitivity of, of a non-actor is in front of the camera and they really pushed me. Okay, this is probably the best thing I've learned from these two incredible human beings, is that I was pushed to simplify my directing and my notes to a point which I try to use no more than three words which I whisper through their ears. That required a lot of preparations on my end. Mm -hmm. To see how I don't overwhelm them with words, overwhelm them with too much information, give them exactly only what they need. And it was interesting for me because they work very differently. They're inspired by very different things and different buttons. So I I was really pushed, I feel, as a director. And I guess they were the best on the set. I mean, it was just working with them was was just an incredible experience I had. I will never forget it in this lifetime.
1: That's great. I mean, that's what we look for in actors is... Performances that can a deliver, which they did, but also that push us. You know, as filmmakers, the collaboration worked out great. They're they're really terrific.
2: Yeah, and they stayed friends too.
1: Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's yeah, they're
2: so cute. Yeah, they <laughs> stayed friends. Even though one of them moved to Australia, we oh, still sweet. have our WhatsApp group, and we're like sharing notes. And they grew up so much by now. They're like young teenagers. It was incredible to see them grow.
1: That's crazy. This being, as you mentioned, kind of semi-autobiographical and a personal story. Now that the film is done, what do you take away from the whole experience now that it's said and done and you've kind of like closed this chapter?
2: First of all, I hated it for a while after I finished it. And now I'm regaining my love to it, which is a good experience. I just watched it on a big screen last week when it premiered in Israel. And we were sold out and the, the venue was packed and all the kids were there. It was so exciting. So I, I guess that what I'm taking from it to be a personal film is that I think it works well <laughs> with a writer, director does. Dean's Boots. I was dealing with a major question I had about life um, yeah. that has something to do with regret I wanted to deal with the topic of regret, and I was trying to avoid it from creating you know, a very heavy, dramatic, short film. So I went toward childhood, and, and that's how I ended up finding a story from my own childhood. But I, initially, I was trying to deal with this very complex subject for me. And I feel that while working on duet, I broke the subject of regret into pieces and learned it and confronted it and... It was almost like a healing process for me to deal with that. It's good to try and surround yourself with the topic that you have a lot of questions about at the moment. Be very truthful with the search for the truth within that topic that you have a lot of questions about.
1: And I think, you know, one of the great things about your film, as you said, it's, it's a personal story. It's very specific in terms of like what happens. It's very familiar, yet it feels very fresh. But I always say like the more personal a story is, the more universal it seems to be also because there were a lot of elements in this story that brought me back to my childhood also of just being that innocence and not knowing what to do with feelings and sometimes doing the wrong things with these feelings and then not knowing how to deal with that regret, as you talked about. So I think you accomplished a lot in the short run time of this film. So I'm super happy for you, Mika. It's, I know it's been a long journey, but it's really incredible job.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to. You know what? You won't believe it. But I this is a cute anecdote about this film and how we end up having even a more personal experience for me. So I I moved about 20-something apartments by being just... 18 because my parents were get remarried a few times and we moved around. But there was one apartment that I lived for the longest amount of time for 10 years. And that was kind of my childhood. And you know what? When we couldn't find a location to shoot this film and it was almost too late and we almost had to cancel the whole shoot. I literally went to this building and I knocked on the door and I said, I used to live here as a child. I need to shoot film in four days and we have no location. Would you give me your house? And they said, yes. Wow. They literally gave us their house for like... Five days, I offered them a little bit of money and they didn't even want to get this money. It was just like a weird, bizarre feeling of literally shooting this film about my childhood in my childhood apartment in Tel Aviv. You know, we recreated it. We created the set design as almost as it was back then. It was really strange how people, you know, try to help young filmmakers. I lost in touch with them, by the way. And I went to their apartment. I'm here in Tel Aviv now. work and i went to this building a week ago and i knocked on the door to invite them to the premiere but they they weren't there anymore so i lost them
1: oh maybe they'll hear this podcast yeah if you're listening (laughs) let us know we'll we'll hook you up with a copy (laughs) yeah that's an amazing story. Wow. Shooting the movie in your childhood apartment. That's crazy. It's very serendipitous, <laughs> is it not? It's it's funny sometimes how the world works. Like, I don't know. The older I get, the less I understand <laughs> about this world. It's so crazy. Totally agreed. But, you know, all we could do is just go along for the ride. The ride that you've created on screen here is really incredible. Everybody at home, check it out. Duet. It's going to be streaming at LADFF this year. And it'll be available from August 5th through August 9th. Tickets and info available at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we come back, Mika is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. I'm surrounded
2: by
0: Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival is back. And for the first time ever, the festival will include both in-person and online screenings. Three in-person screenings will be held over three Thursdays starting July 29th with the musical rom-com Best Summer Ever held at the Lemley Town Center in Encino. August 5th, we're back in Encino for the theatrical premiere of the gripping documentary In the Dark of the Valley. And on August 12th, you'll be able to see the award-winning short films selected by our esteemed jury at the Lemley NoHo7 in North Hollywood. Our online festival will be available at LADFF.com from August 1st through 14th, with new films premiering every five days. Tickets for both in-person and online screenings are available right now at LADFF.com. Use the promo code FORWARD for 10% off. We are so excited to see you all back at the movies. Join us for the 8th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival.
1: All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are joined by the brilliant writer and director, Mika Orr. Before the break, we were chatting about her film, Duet, and now she's going to chat me up. She's going to give me three films, movies that inspired her, inspired her work, Mika, my friend, let's get your first one.
2: All right. Um, I would go with um, Modern Times by Charlie Chaplin.
1: Modern Times by Charlie Chaplin. An excellent choice. Why do you love this movie, Mika? There's a lot to love, obviously, but why do you love this movie? <laughs> yeah,
2: it still makes me laugh. I love Charlie Chaplin. Growing up, I wanted to be Charlie Chaplin. So he's like my, my hero, my master, my... I was in love with him. I wanted to marry him at some point too. I was like obsessed with it. Like my girlfriends wanted to marry Leo DiCaprio, and I was like Charlie Chaplin.
0: <laughs> I, was, I, was, right.
2: I had a huge crush on him. And in this film, besides the fact it's really funny, I think it's it's brilliant and it reflects the time that he's living in. It's inspiring and it talks about changes in a way that I could relate to when I first watch it. When I'm under the weather and I sing home and then watching films i i always end up watching
1: modern times again yeah you said this movie really hits on the uh, the times that he was alive it, i rewatched it yesterday and i was like man this movie still holds up and still kind of works within today's time as well absolutely it's really a timeless piece you know it's obviously like every chaplin movie it's got like all these great comedic sequences that are super memorable he's hilarious he does all his like you know, physical comedy stuff, but this like theme of like, you know, the, the tramp character not fitting into like the capitalist machine and also like not fitting into the socialist machine and having kind of no home being stuck in between worlds. I like was both laughing and like also getting a little emotional watching this yesterday. Cause I was like relating really, bit, really hard to to the <laughs> to the tramp character, I was like, Oh my god, I don't know what's happening. I'm yeah. just in an emotional place right now. <laughs> but the modern times is making me cry. Um I
2: know, it's so hot me. Yeah,
1: that's the great thing about Chaplin is he has the ability to do that with a movie like City Lights, also. He can like make you laugh for an hour and a half, and then he just like grabs your heart and rips it out and it's he's super talented. For as much credit as Charlie Chaplin gets. I still think he might still be underrated. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy.
2: Absolutely. He's just one of a kind.
1: Modern Times, It's it's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, it's available right now on HBO Max. HBO Max, check it out. They got a great restoration. It looks fantastic. So check it out. Modern Times by the great... Charlie Chaplin. All right, Mika, your second pick.
2: My second pick would be Woman Under the Influence by John Cassavetes.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the greatest American films ever made, I would be willing to put my money on. Talk to us about A Woman Under the Influence and why uh, you're going to subject our audience to this great and extremely depressing film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think it, the first time I saw this film, I was a teenager and I saw it on a big screen and wow. I was shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just walking around, mumbling to myself. It really changed my life, I think, it this film. First, because we feel tremendous amount of love to this character who's so unstable with no judgment by the filmmakers and and there's, there's something unique about it, I feel. It was something so complex and the layers that they managed to create to Gina Rollins' character was surprising to me. I felt like I was getting a life lesson about filmmaking, but also about the human spirit and resilience. And there was something very powerful on the emotional level for this film. It's even hard for me to articulate how much it affected me. Mm -hmm. I think I was um, observing a person in my family going through a mental health crisis at that time. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it changed me. It really touched me. And it's hard for me to see this film. I think I watched it since then only once when I really forced my ex-boyfriend to watch it with me. And I can't watch it again. You know, it's too intense, you know. But also... I remember that as a filmmaker, it felt new to me, the way the camera works with the actress Mm -hmm. and the way things feels very authentic and the dialogue felt so authentic. I watched it way before I knew how John Cassavetes work and how, you know, this duo is creating used to create their films together. I guess I was naive when I watched it and I finished that film and I lost some naivety in me. You know, it, it kind of, killed a few percentage of uh, childhood childhoodness if you could say it's yeah
1: yeah this movie is really a masterpiece as you mentioned it's kind of hard to articulate and it's kind of like almost hard to analyze the movie because it's such it's more than great cinema to me it's like it really is an experience as you mentioned you can take a lot from Cassavetti's work as a filmmaker in this, and you can definitely take a lot from Gina Rollins' performance in this. Like I've never seen a performance like that in my life. She is mind-blowing. But it says so much about us as humans and how we kind of like try it and struggle to just make our way through this world. And it's a powerful, powerful film that will stick with you forever. It is, as Mika mentioned, it's not an easy watch. But I, if you haven't seen it, like it's a very, very, in my opinion, a very necessary watch. I think it's one of the greatest films ever made. And hands down, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen by Gina Rollins. Absolutely incredible. A Woman Under the Influence. Check it out. Make sure you have your night clear after you watch it, also, because you might need to like sit down for a little bit. But it is well worth the watch by Mr. John Cassavetti's. That is also available on HBO Max. They should be giving us a, a kickback for this episode, Mika, because we're, <laughs> we're treating, taking everybody to HBO Max this week. <laughs>
0: uh, I agree.
1: All right. Your third and final film, Mika.
2: My last film would be Breaking the Waves by Lars
1: hmm What about this movie sticks out to you? This is another one that's like super powerful gut punch, as most of, Montrier's movies are <laughs>
2: yes exactly uh, I think this um, and the dancer in the dark is probably my favorite two pieces by this uh, incredible director I was um, following his work when he was doing dogma films mm-hmm. and I was following his group with as a young teenager I, I started making films at the age of 15 and that's when his films were distributed in Israel and, and used to um, run to the theater every time they brought something new. And I remember Breaking the Waves. I chose it because it's one of those few and rare films that really changed me, I would say. Those three films I've I chosen for today really changed my life, I dare to say.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not just like emotionally and spiritually, but also on practical levels. This film, Breaking the Waves, it affected the way I lost my virginity.
1: yeah seriously.
2: That's the
1: mark of good cinema right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just so affected by it. I even have my diary entry from that day. So I kept it. I wish I had it for today. The next podcast that you want someone to talk about breaking the waste, bring me on and I'll bring that piece of diary that I need to find in advance. And and read from that piece because it
1: was... <laughs> I, I will hold you to that. I will hold you to that. <laughs> it,
2: was, it, was just, um, it was just another film that portraits a fragile female character, you know, I felt like I could de- identify with. It was this, this incredible devotion story about love and hate and this strange um, connection between a man and a, and a woman that I was so curious about when, you know, I was a young teenager you know i watched this film and I, it made me realize how little i know about myself and about life and about the other sex and i think i went on a journey to find my true love after watching this film i was mm. 16 it was something i did secretly i never told anyone about it until now and on uh, film
1: forward I, you heard it here first guys <laughs> <laughs>
2: It was was just, you know, one of those films that broke my heart and at the same time inspired me about love, really. And I still keep a beautiful portrait shot by a dear friend, Bushwick-based artist called Raphael Fuchs, who shot Emily Watson, the lead actress from this film, and a beautiful portrait from the beginning of uh, 2000. And I, I actually have a copy of it in my bedroom still. So I feel like I'm thinking about not Emily Watson, but the character that she played Bess McNeil.
1: Yeah, that's really amazing. That's, I think, the beautiful thing about cinema is that it can have this kind of impact in the way that great art should do or strives to do. And, you know, like with literature or with cinema or poetry or what have you, if it can change the way that we view the world and open up our eyes to a new way of thinking, a new way that we perceive ourselves, hell, that's as good as a great acid trip. Mika, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, later, years later, when I fell in love with a Norwegian woman, this this guy that she falls in love with is a Norwegian man. I walked around in Norway, and I was thinking, oh, this, this, these sailors. You know, it reminded me of this film. You know, I felt like I'm so close to this culture just because I grew up, you know, with this film. Isn't Mm -hmm. that bizarre? Like how the world seems small. All of a sudden you go around. Like I went to this port in this small little port town in in Norway, Huygensand, I think it was. And it's just, you know, those men coming from the sea. And I was imagining this character throwing her body at them. And, and, you know, it was just, uh, imagine it was like almost 20 years after I watched it, it still created imagination in my head. I mean, I wish my films would be some girl's imagination 20 years after she would watch them, you know, yeah. I'm so jealous. That's <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even think about my own scenes in my own films 20 years later. So anyway, yeah, it's a great film.
1: Great film, Breaking the Waves by Lars von Trier. It is available to stream right now. Guess where, Mika?
2: HBO?
1: HBO Max, that's right. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. I was like, okay, they're stepping up their game here. They I was able to find all three of these movies on there cuz they have like a connection with Turner Classic Movies now. So they have like um, okay. a lot of like really great classics and art house films on their streaming platform. So, not just saying this because I'm looking for sponsorship, but HBO Max <laughs> is legitimately a great streaming platform for a lot of really fantastic films. Speaking of really fantastic films, Duet will be streaming August 5th through August 9th at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Go to LADFF.com for tickets and info. Mika, thank you so much for joining us and doing this today. It was so great catching up. We're so thrilled to have you back at LADFF. We're huge fans, you know that.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of your festival. I mean, this is the best festival I've uh, visited in in the United States for sure. And I'm so thrilled that you're screening duet.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to do it. And thank you all for listening to Film Forward. Check out Duet. You don't want to miss it. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.